Thank you, guys. Well, if you're not excited about the love of God for you, then you're excited about the wrong things. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we, we sinful rebels, should be called children of God, and so we are. That's something to sing about. So thank you guys for leading us in worship. All right, well, our scripture reading for this morning comes from the book of Galatians, chapter 3. We're actually going to study chapter 5 together, but chapter 3 is an important complement to what we're going to consider in chapter 5. So if you could turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 3, we're going to read together verses 1 to 14. You can find it if you don't have a Bible or if you use the Bible in the pew, you can find this passage on page 973. All right, so Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 to 14, if you want to stand and join me in honor of God's word and follow along as I read. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed, along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. This is God's Word. You may be seated. Okay, so we are, if you're visiting with us or if um, maybe you haven't been here, you've been on vacation, we're doing a series this summer on the Holy Spirit. And thus far, we've been laying some foundation um, that's so important to what it means to keep in step with the Spirit, which is the title of the series. That phrase comes from Galatians 5. Um, So thus far, we've been dealing with the personhood of the Spirit, who is the Holy Spirit, Oftentimes, people refer to the Spirit as it. We can refer and relate to the Holy Spirit more like a force than a person. He's a person. Um, Third person of the triune God, so we're dealing with a person. We considered that first. Then we dealt with the primary work of the Holy Spirit to show us Christ, to shine the spotlight on Jesus so that we can see him with the eyes of faith and be transformed into his image from one degree of glory to the next. And then last week we considered his work to seal and guarantee us as believers and give us a a foretaste of what's to come, the first fruits of the full harvest that is to come, spiritual blessings in Christ. We taste them and we are so filled up that we bless God's name and we look forward to the fullness that is to come. So that was last week. Now we get to the passage where... Like I said, our series title comes from, if you turn and flip ahead to Galatians 5.25, you'll see it. So just flip a page if you're still in Galatians from the scripture reading. Galatians 5.25 says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step 
with the Spirit. So the plan is this Sunday and next Sunday to mine the, the riches of Galatians 5. Um, there's a lot here. We won't cover it all, but um, there's so much important stuff for us to see here and, and embrace. So we'll look at it in two parts. We'll look at pretty much the first half of the chapter this morning, the second half, half next week. But you'll probably also see that the chapter kind of hangs together as a whole. Um, and, you know, it's hard to break it in half, but we just can't go through all of it in one week. So um, such a key section in what it, what it means to live by the Spirit, to walk by the Spirit, to keep in step with the Spirit. What does that mean? What's that look like? Well, first off, it looks like freedom. It looks like freedom, not slavery. So let's look together at the first five verses. So freedom through the Spirit by faith. That's what this walk looks like. Galatians 5.1. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. Okay, so some of you might be feeling this, especially if you're not particularly familiar with the book of Galatians. We're parachuting into the latter half of Galatians, so we need to get our bearings. Like, where are we? What is he talking about? Well, Paul is really concerned about this church that he planted in the region of Galatia. He's very concerned. After he left, at some point, they started to get infiltrated by some false teaching. So here's how he describes these false teachers. You can flip back to the first chapter. Verse 6, he says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Flip ahead to chapter 2, verse 4, and he describes this type of false teacher or false brother, he calls them here, in Galatians 2.4, yet because of false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery. So remember, chapter 5 begins with the ideas of freedom. It's for freedom that Christ set you free. Don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. There's some slave traders. There's some threats that are infiltrating the church. And so Paul's writing to address them because he's so concerned about them. He loves them. And he wants what's best for them. So what's happening? Well, the gospel began in Jerusalem. Jesus died. He rose again. And the Spirit fell on the apostles in Acts 2. And then the gospel started to spread in power. It started in Jerusalem. And remember, it was supposed to go from Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. But it really started in Jerusalem and was kind of concentrated there for a little while. But Jesus has said, you know, make disciples of all the nations. So one of the key ways that he started to do that is he tracked down, Jesus did, tracked down a guy named Saul of Tarsus. And he apprehended him on the road to Damascus. And so the Apostle Paul, his Greek name, Hebrew name, Saul, he started taking the gospel of Jesus, the gospel of grace, to the Gentiles, okay, non-Jewish world. And one of the places he went was Galatia. So in Galatia, the people are pagans. They worshiped all kinds of false gods. So look at the very interesting word that Paul uses in Galatians 5.1. So that's a little bit of background. Hopefully that'll help as we walk through chapter 5. So look back at chapter 5, verse 1. The interesting, surprising word that he uses there is the word again. Do you see it there? For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, that must have something to do with this yoke of slavery. Christ will be of no advantage to you. So, wait a second. <laughs> um, you can only be circumcised once. What do you mean, submit again to the yoke of circumcision? Well, again, these were pagans. So their slavery was different than the slavery that these Jewish false leaders were trying to foist on the Galatian believers. Track with me. If you're confused, it's okay. We'll, we'll get there. Flip back to Galatians 4. 
It's a little bit more important context before we really get moving in unpacking our passage. So Galatians 4, 6, he says, Because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. We considered that some last week from Romans 8. So you are no longer a slave, see it, the slavery idea, but a son. And if a son, then you're an heir through God. Now watch this. Formerly, Galatians, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. All these false gods in your city. But now that you've come to know God, or rather to be known by God, that's a great little qualifier, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. So again, he's concerned about them because they're, they're sliding back into slavery. You think that, that this circumcision thing is the pathway to freedom? No. But see, they already knew slavery before. That's why he says, don't submit to it again, because the first yoke of slavery that they knew was the slavery of idolatry. So, so here's the point. Before they had religion, they were slaves to their appetites. So whether it was, you know, money, sex, power, whatever it was, they were slaves. These elementary principles of the world, the things that, that drive the world, what people value, and, and all these false gods. So you'd think that when these false brothers come in and they say, okay, you, you need Jesus plus circumcision. You have, to, you, have to, you have to keep the law. You have to do these certain things if you really want to be a real Christian. In other words, there's some moral boxes you need to check off if you really want to be a real Christian. You need to get religion, is what they were saying. Well, that's another way to be enslaved. So the point is, they had no religion, or they had kind of false pagan religion, and they, they may have cast off moral restraint thinking it was freedom. Oh, no, it's slavery. But they're still under threat of slavery because if they accept this Jesus plus circumcision, keep the rules, if you really want to be a, a good Christian, moralism, that's just as enslaving. So I, hopefully you see where I'm where I'm going here, the idolatry that characterized them before, it was not freedom, it was slavery. If they accept this false gospel of Jesus plus certain good works to be right with God, that's just as enslaving. Okay, so look at verse 3. We'll come back to that idea. So if it wasn't clear, hopefully it will be in a minute here. Verse 3, I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You're severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. That's really serious. So, so if these Gentiles think they need to keep the law, if they're buying that lie that these false teachers are selling, if you think you need to keep the law in order to be saved, well, guess what? Why did Jesus have to die? I mean, if righteousness before God can be attained by keeping the rules, what do you need Jesus for? So that brand of slavery is called legalism. Jesus and certain rules. So in this case, Jesus and circumcision in order to be justified in God's sight. So basically, a legalist is someone who takes some external distinctive and requires that everyone possess it if they want to be right in God's sight. Okay, so Paul makes it really clear that if you think you need Jesus and some external distinctive or distinctives in order to be saved, then guess what? You don't really need Jesus because he's apparently not enough. So on the cross, Jesus did not cry out, there, I did my part. You need to finish it. No, he cried, it is finished. So look at Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. 
Paul is adamant about this, and he repeats himself to make sure that they get the gospel and it really sinks into their minds and hearts. Look at Galatians 2.16. He says, We know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because, in case you didn't get it the first two times, by works of the law, no one will be justified. You see, he says it like three different ways, the same thing. So if, if you take Jesus plus with this legalistic mindset, you actually lose Jesus because you don't ultimately need him. He's not enough. It's a different gospel. It's no gospel at all. So what's the alternative? What does the Christian life actually look like? Well, verse 5. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. And so now we're starting to see the burden of Paul's letter to the Galatians. Remember, 525 theme verse for the series, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. So if we live, if we are alive spiritually by the Spirit, we must also walk by the Spirit. The Spirit is how we began the Christian life, new birth, right? It's a miracle. It's God's grace. We're made new spiritually, made alive together with Christ. It's not something you can do by human effort. Well, that's also how we continue in the Christian life, walking by the Spirit. Remember that Scripture reading from Galatians 3? Oh, foolish Galatians. Look back there, verse 1. Who has fooled you? Who's pulled the, the wool over your eyes? Who's bewitched you? This is crazy. It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was vividly portrayed as crucified in my preaching. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now trying to be perfected by the flesh? This is so important, that phrase. Are you trying to complete yourself? Are you trying to attain your end, your goal, by the flesh in your own strength? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? So the Christian life is begin by the Spirit, Walk by the Spirit. Or you could say, begin by faith, walk by faith. By the Spirit, by faith. Through the Spirit, by faith. In verse 5 there. So the Christian life is not get in by God's grace, stay in by your own efforts. That's not it. If you let that happen, you will be enslaved. Because you know what? Your Christian life will be something like this. He loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. Am I doing good enough? Am, am I okay? I had a good day. I feel good. Like I'm okay with God. Had a bad day. Oh, no, he probably, he probably hates me. I'm, I'm, I'm probably on probation. No, it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. So don't submit to the yoke of slavery. So we progress in the Christian life the same way we entered the Christian life, by the grace of God, poured out into our lives by the Spirit, received by faith in Jesus through the Spirit, by faith. So the Christian life is not a ladder to God, okay? It's not even where, well, at least God, you know, places us on the ladder and then, you know, now we've got to climb by our own efforts, our own moral efforts to make it to heaven. No, we're not justified by our sanctification. I mean, if that's what we're doing, we're seeking to attain our goal, complete ourselves by our own efforts. And so guess what happens if we actually buy into this lie and submit to that yoke of slavery? Guess what happens? If you succeed, you know what happens? Have you seen this in your life? Because we, we're all prone to do this. If you succeed, you're going to feel smug and self-righteous about all your goodness and all your sacrificial labors. And you're going to start to feel better than other people. <laughs> These people wish they would get off their tail end and do something. I mean, when you really have served and sacrificed, have you ever looked around and just, you know, huffed and puffed at all the people that are just sitting on their tail? 
got to be careful. Or if we fail, sometimes we end up throwing a pity party. We feel totally defeated. We feel like God must hate us. Or you know what? We fail and then we get defensive and we blame shift and we justify ourselves. Oh, that's probably important to notice that. We try to justify ourselves. No. So the Christian life is not like a ladder. It's like train tracks. The tracks are the path of love. We'll get to that in a minute. The wheels, whatever. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure this could be picked apart, but just go with me. The wheels are the wheels of faith. The engine is the Spirit empowering us by the grace of Jesus to go in the path of love. Not a ladder, railroad tracks, path of love, wheels on the path by faith, engine to push us down the track, the Spirit of God pouring the grace of God into our lives. So verse 5 again, for through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for, not work for, wait for the hope of righteousness. So we don't have to try harder and be better in order to be righteous in God's sight. Christian life doesn't work that way. It doesn't start that way. It doesn't progress that way. To do so is to submit to a yoke of slavery. If we trust in Jesus, we already are righteous. By grace, through faith in Jesus, it's a work of the Spirit. Through the Spirit, by faith, we start. We're already accepted. The verdict, no condemnation, accepted. This is my beloved son or daughter, and him I'm well pleased. It's already been spoken over our lives. We obey because we are accepted, not in order to be accepted. Anything else is just a net zero. Okay, look at it in the next verse. Second point, faith working through love is what counts. Verse 6. For in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. So now that Jesus has come, circumcision, which again, I know we don't really talk about that all that much, and yeah, I know it's weird and creepy. Um, there's actually reason why that was a covenant sign, because it originated with a son of promise. Think about it, Abraham. You can't do this, Abraham. This is a promised son, not a in the flesh of, or in the power of, of human uh, virility <laughs> or fertility issue. So that's why the sign was appropriate, okay? But anyway, circumcision is no sign of anything. Neither religion, circumcision, nor irreligion, uncircumcision, counts for every, anything. You're not better off one way or the other. Both religiosity and paganism amounts to slavery. In both cases, you end up trying to complete yourself by your own human effort. So let's just make sure we don't leave it in the first century context of circumcision and what are you talking about? This is so very relevant and everyday for us. This is why people are enslaved and, and we have the tendency to submit again to this yoke of slavery. We can be enslaved to vocational success. Why are so many people, even people in the church, slavishly driven? I mean, again, you can, you can see it in an exaggerated, obvious form out there and say, why do some successful people commit suicide when they fail or get caught for impropriety? It's because they're looking to their success in their job to complete them. Why do you think you're nobody sometimes because you don't have the job status your friends do or maybe your college classmates now do? Because we might be looking for something else to complete us, attaining our ends by human effort. Why are so many people enslaved to their appearance and to beauty? They're looking to complete themselves by sculpting their body or obtaining the right wardrobe or becoming beautiful by some cultural definition of the term. It's why eating disorders happen 
Those are clear slavery, right? But when we put our hope in something like body, beauty, and success, it will enslave us. So, I mean, why are, have you ever heard this by their own admission? I've seen like in a news report or something like that or one of these TED Talks, I think there was one. Supermodels are some of the most insecure people on the planet. Wait, wait a second, this is like what so many women are seeking to attain to. So it's so easy to rely on other things or people to complete you. I mean, even the things like this that we say, if only I had a better father or a, better, a different upbringing or a better body or a better job or... Are, are you trying to complete yourself by human effort? If so, it's enslaving, and I think we know that slavery. There's all kinds of ways to submit to a yoke of slavery, both by casting off moral restraint and by trying to keep the rules in your own steam, on your, in, your, in your own strength. So you can be enslaved either way. So, for instance, you can be in, enslaved by irreligion, but you can also be enslaved by religion. You can try to find your identity in ministry and service. You know, you can feed the hungry, shelter the homeless, volunteer at the hospital in order to feel better about yourself. In order to complete yourself, you're trying to gain your goal by human effort. Or have you ever seen people that serve, and especially when things get a little hairy in the midst of their service and, you know, the pressure gets turned up, it's almost like there's a smoldering fire underneath that smile. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever seen that in others, seen it in yourself? So if we are doing these things in order to be justified, it's a big net zero. They don't count for anything before God. I mean, Paul knew this firsthand. He said in a very similar context in Philippians 3, he said to them, look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Again, this circumcision group, hey, you, you need Jesus plus circumcision to be right with God. You need to add something. He says, we're the true circumcision, circumcision of the heart, who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. And then he lists his resume. Look how impressive I am. If anybody should be righteous before God, it's me. And when God opened his eyes on the Damascus Road... He said, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss. It's worthless. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but only faith working through love. Now, we need to understand what that phrase means, faith working through love. We're going to look at that real practically in a minute. But I want you to see that there's three places in the New Testament where Paul says, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. So they're going to kind of get flashed up here quickly, one after the other. Okay, so this one is actually Galatians 6.15. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Okay, so hold that thought. And then remember the one that we just looked at in Galatians 6.5, or I'm sorry, 6.6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. And then there's one more in 1 Corinthians 7, 19. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. Okay? So let's just put this all together. That's a great summary of the Christian life, <laughs> those three. So the whole point is what really counts is a new creation. You need to be made new. You need to be made alive. You need a miracle by the power of the Holy Spirit to take you dead in your sins and make you new. You're a new creation in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. This is a work of the Spirit. So that's the first one, Galatians 6. And when that happens, circumcision or uncircumcision doesn't count for anything, but only faith and its fruit. Faith works through love. It bears the fruit of love. 
So again, you came in by faith, by the Spirit. You continue by faith, by the Spirit. And then, 1 Corinthians 7, 19, keeping the commandments of God is not in order to be right with God, but because you've been made new, because you are walking by faith, because you're on the train and the Holy Spirit is empowering you on the path of love to keep God's commands. Totally different. The motivation changes everything. Okay? So what does this look like in, in real time? Okay? I just want to give multiple examples because this verse 6, I know for me, and I, I know I'm not alone in this, that paradigm of through the Spirit, by faith, faith working through love, is, is huge as far as what it looks like to walk by the Spirit, to keep in step with the Spirit. So let me just give you some examples. So first, <clears throat> why do we oftentimes avoid people in need? Well, usually it's something like, I can't afford the time, I can't afford the money, uh, what if I waste my money? What if I enable this person? There's, there's all these things. But oftentimes what we're doing is we're trying, to, we're trying to save our lives, right? So imagine this. Imagine that it's 2 o'clock, and you're going about your day, and you're traveling back to your office, and you're planning to break um, for lunch as soon as you get there. You usually brown bag it, and you've got your favorite leftovers in, in the paper bag, okay? Now, a good friend calls you, and tells you that he's in, the, in town on business and he would like to take you out to Sullivan's, okay, for dinner. So dinner's on him. He's going to meet you there at 6. So you get back to the office, you park, and as you're walking into your office building, you see a man who's homeless searching through a garbage can looking for food. Your friend is completely trustworthy. You will be dining on steak in a matter of four hours. Well four plus the time it takes to prepare that thing, medium. So how hard is it now to give up those leftovers to the guy rummaging through the garbage can? Your friend's promise, if you believe it, right, is satisfying you, filling you up, and freeing you to serve this man through love. Now, change the scenario, and you don't get that call and you start walking in and you're really hungry. And you might have to work late tonight and you, you might not eat till eight o'clock or whatever. I just changed your work time. Okay, you're still getting off at six, but you're gonna be hungry. So now all of a sudden, you don't wanna give up that, that meal because you need it. So this is, this is, this is the Christian life. Faith working through love. Nothing else matters but faith working through love. So think about it this way. As you go, like here, it's really practical. So I, I went for a prayer walk on the river walk. I think it was last week or anyway. Sometimes I, on Tuesday, study day, sometimes work down there. I was going to walk along the river walk. And as I parked and I came onto the river walk, there was a homeless guy that was walking like this. And oh man, this is going to be awkward. I'm going to end up right beside him. And there, like, I really need time to think and pray. I don't, you know, I've got a lot to do. No. So, so if I don't trust God and I operate in the flesh, try to do what I need to do in my own strength, in my own steam, you know, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to, like, speed up to get past them so I don't feel guilty. Or I'm going to hang back. Oh, maybe I need to check my phone here for a second, you know, um, so that he goes past me so that I don't have to deal with that need because I'm empty. But what if I trust by faith, faith working through love? What if I trust him and the Lord gave me grace to trust him and I walk beside Brian and we talked for a while, and I shared the gospel with him and bought him a cup of coffee. He didn't want anything more than that. So 
the whole point is, I might be in the flesh in that moment rather than filled and led by the Spirit. And what would happen is that unbelief will make me unloving in that moment, and I'll shrink back from an opportunity to love. But if by the Spirit I lay hold of promises like, you know what? God's going to take care. He, he knows what I need to get done, and he can help me do it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, if this is costly, if the Lord calls me to do it, he'll give me the grace for it. And then think about it. How has Jesus loved me? Think about the gospel. I am an unlovely beggar. And I had no right to this grace in Christ. And what he did was he came and pursued me. And he, think about 2 Corinthians 8, though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor so that we by his poverty might become rich. So if you believe the gospel in that moment, not in your own strength. You can't just flip that on like a light switch. You need the Spirit of God to make the gospel real to you so that by faith you are filled up and that faith works through love. How about, again, different examples of how this works? Because this is walking by the Spirit. We're going to get there next week, but it's not by accident that you have at the top here in verse 5, through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves wait for the hope of righteousness. And then what's the fruit of faith in verse 6? Love. What's the fruit of the Spirit in verse 22? Love. So walking by the Spirit and walking by faith are two ways of talking about the same thing. So let's take finances. Okay, let's say things are tight or some unexpected expenses come up, why do you take that out on the people closest to you? Why do you bite and devour and start to get really selfish and nervous? Well, it's because of unbelief. We're operating in the flesh rather than by the Spirit. And when we are living by unbelief, <laughs> looking for something else to complete us rather than Jesus, then the bitter fruit of biting and devouring is what comes out. So, by faith, faith works through love. The Spirit is helping us to believe the gracious promises of God, just like there was the promise of that Sullivan steak dinner that freed you to give your meal to that homeless man. The Spirit of God helps you believe the promises of God, and it frees you to walk in the path of love. So how about this example? Beth recently lost her wallet, okay? So in our marriage, and she would be fine with me saying this. I'm not trying to throw her under the bus. Um, generally speaking, she would tend to lose things more than I would tend to lose things, Okay? And we have the, you know, cash envelope system, so that happens on the first of the month and the 15th. Well, it was the 16th, I think. So she calls me and tells me that she can't find her wallet. And so if I am not operating by the Spirit through faith, what might I do in that moment? And I have done this in the past. I didn't in this instance, but what might I do? Look down a little bit further here. Verse 13. You were called to freedom, brothers. I don't want you to be enslaved. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. So don't abuse your freedom. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. So if, if you are living by the, the flesh rather than by the spirit, you're going to be empty and you're going to bite and devour. So... If I was not operating in the Spirit, like I have way too many times in the past, when I hear that she lost her wallet, what might I do? Say something that's belittling. Say something that's irritated and frustrating. Something stupid like, 
giving her advice how to not lose your wallet as if she really needs that right now. Um, so I might actually bite and devour her because I need to make her pay. So I'm operating on empty, in the flesh, not in the spirit, not believing the gospel. I'm not believing the gospel. Can I trust God here? So this is where it's super practical. This is what this looks like on a daily basis. What does it look like to walk by the Spirit? This is how we started. This is how we continue. We need to believe the gospel. So can I trust God here? Can we trust God here? That if he didn't spare his only son but graciously gave him up for us all, how will he not also together with him graciously give us all things? That doesn't mean he's going to give us the wallet back, though he did very kindly. It was at the store. It was left in the cart, and the lady that found it was very kind. Don't, don't blow that off. Don't blow off Romans 8.32. <laughs> yeah. Graciously give. No, seriously. Like, what, how do you fight in that moment when you want to make somebody pay? You need to believe the gospel. And the gospel, with the grace of Jesus, can fill you up. The Spirit can make it real to you rather than just a cliche. And you are filled up. And rather than biting and devouring, you can love and serve. Hey, babe, it's okay. Lord will provide. Don't worry about it. Please don't, you know, fret. Like, we'll, t- we'll take care of it. Let's pray. Unfortunately, I haven't always answered that way. So here's the other way to not respond to something like that. Boy, I've really got to stop worrying. This isn't doing any good. Deep breaths. You don't need just religiosity. You don't need just moral improvement. You can get, you can get that in droves in the self-help shelf. You don't need a cross for that. You don't even need Jesus for that advice. So that's not where you run. We actually need to run to the gracious promises and truths of God so that by faith, by the Spirit, we'll lay hold of those things and be filled up and then empowered to serve others through love. Faith will work through love. So how do you, if you, if you actually want to do that in a given moment this week, how do you actually believe promises like Psalm 23 in that moment? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You need the power of the Spirit. So you pray, so that through the Spirit, by faith, your faith will work through love, and you can keep going on track, the path of love, empowered by the Spirit. You can't just flip some belief switch. You need help. You need spiritual help, just like you needed help to be saved, not just help. You're totally helpless, only saved by the Spirit, by grace, through faith. You only grow. We only grow by the power of the Spirit, by faith by the grace of God. So we need the Spirit to activate, to make those promises real to us so that by the Spirit through faith, our faith works through love. Okay? So if we're looking to anything else to complete us and that thing is threatened or it's not happening, we get touchy, we get irritable, we lash out at people. Remember? Back at chapter 3. Are you now being perfected, trying to attain your end by the flesh? Or if we're looking to something else to satisfy us, and that thing is not ours, we can't attain it, once again, we will start to bite and devour and consume people rather than be filled up by the Spirit and love and serve people. So, just maybe another example here of how this should work itself out. How often are we critical? Judgmental of people, especially in our minds, we're critical, maybe hypercritical. How about this? Beth and I were talking about this. She gave a great example. In, In a situation, in a conversation where someone might not be happy with you, do you have the tendency to throw someone else under the bus to make yourself look better? You ever do that? Or maybe you take credit for something to try to make yourself look better again rather than just 
humbly letting something go if the credit goes to someone else, or being gracious and understanding and benefit of the doubtish with your first impulse rather than critical. Like, how do we kill that? That is epidemic among us. How does that change? Well, it happens through the Spirit by faith. What if you really believed that you were totally justified, that there was no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus? What if, what if God has already given the verdict over your life? What if you're totally accepted? What if you actually know who you are and there's nothing to prove and there's nothing to fear? Nobody's disapproval is something you have to fear anymore. What, what if that was really, really real? How's that going to happen? Only by the Spirit. Do you think that in that situation, rather than being critical, throwing somebody under the bus, you would say, oh, man, God hasn't dealt with me that way. <laughs> if he dealt with me the way I deserve, I, I mean, oh, man. Or even if somebody criticizes you, then you defend your you fight. You know what? They don't know the half of it. I'm so much worse than that. They, they miss some of this, but they, they, don't, they don't know the half of it. If they knew who I really was, they'd really have ammo. But you know what? All that stuff is under the blood of Jesus, and I'm accepted. So I, can, I don't have to fight back. I can actually bless and, and pray for them and return evil with good. Or as far as taking credit, I don't need to do that. Because, you know what, I believe that, I, I believe that promise, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand and he will exalt you in due time. I don't have to exalt myself in this situation. I can trust God with that. H how, do you, how do you do that? It's not by your own effort. It's not by climbing some ladder. It's by the Spirit. We believe these truths and we are freed to love. So don't let anything or anyone cut in on your freedom in Christ. Don't yield to a yoke of slavery, whether that's the slavery that comes from licentious living, thinking that if you cast off all moral restraint, you'll be free. No, you'll be a slave of your passions and desires. Or, well, maybe a little bit of moral improvement and, and I just need to try harder. No. If it's Jesus plus trying harder to be right with God, that's slavery as well. So don't let anybody tell you otherwise. You see how Paul continues. He says, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. So, I mean, he, he has some really strong language for these people. He says, if I still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. In other words, if a little cutting makes you more approved, more acceptable to God, follow your logic and go all out. That's what Paul's saying. It's so important that we do not accept any yoke of slavery and drift back into that, but we live in the freedom that comes from the gospel. But <laughs> that freedom can be abused. That freedom is not so that we use it selfishly. That freedom is so that we serve one another through love. Don't worry. Don't worry, because Jesus' yoke, it's easy, and his burden is light. So look how he, how he goes on in verse 13. Freely serve one another through love. For you were called to, to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So it's for freedom you were called. Again, don't submit to a yoke of slavery. This doesn't mean we're free to do our own selfish desire. Rather, we now want to, by the power of the Spirit, we want to do what God desires. So, put that progression together. Five, six, circumcision, uncircumcision means nothing, counts for nothing, only faith working through love, and through love serve one another. That's what matters. That's what counts. This is not optional Christianity. This is not super Christianity. This is normal Christianity. 
Um, and the Spirit enables us to live this way. Look at how Paul explains in verse 14. He says, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Remember those railroad tracks. By the Spirit, by faith, we run in the path of love. That is freedom. If we trade that freedom for legalism or for selfish license, things get ugly. Look at verse 15. If you bite and devour one another, it's the hunger of the flesh. Watch out that you're not consumed by one another. So, if you're walking in the Spirit, living in the Spirit, we're not going to be living selfishly. We're going to be so filled up with the grace of God offered to us in Jesus. The gospel is going to be at the center all the time, and it's going to overflow in loving service to those around us. We're going to, through love, serve one another. We're going to bear the fruit of the Spirit. We're not going to bite and devour, but our faith will work through love. So next week, we're going to consider the fruit of the Spirit. Um, But now we're going to close with a song that is an old song in a new way, You Are My Vision, and it's a prayer. We need to live by the Spirit, by faith, eyes of faith on Jesus. We need Him to be our vision. And with the Spirit shining His spotlight on Jesus, we will be empowered to trust and follow Him on the path of love. So let's pray, and then we'll sing together. Father, I pray that you would continue to so portray before our eyes Jesus Christ and Him crucified and the great love that that is, that by your Spirit we would see Jesus and trust in Him so that we live in freedom and our faith works through love. Drive away the emptiness and the unbelief that bites and devours selfishly, hungrily, and fill us and free us so that we willingly, gladly, joyfully bear the fruit of the Spirit and through love serve one another. In Jesus' name, amen.